Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with co-authors of the side-by-side project, Carol and Jay Casbon. They first met at Lewis and Clark College in 95 and married in 2001. They worked in educational leadership, teaching, writing, retreat facilitation, and ministry. After transcribing 180 hours of interviews, they wrote 13 true teaching stories of couples in their newly released book, which is Side-by-Side, The Sacred Art of Couples Aging with Wisdom and Love. A useful reader's guide included in the book offers over 200 questions and practices for couples and groups to delve deeper into the themes. Enjoy this interview. Good morning. Hey, Good how morning. are you? What's going on? How are you doing? Oh, lots going on. You know, <laughs> this world's a busy place. Oh, are you kidding me? There's stuff going yeah. on all over the place. That's right. It's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out. You're welcome. Likewise. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So where are you located? We are in Santa Barbara, California, where it's overcast. It's, uh, I can tell you, it's 62 degrees. Okay. Okay. Um, last week, we had a hurricane and an earthquake all in one afternoon. <laughs> wow. That's modern living, right? It is. It's it's living on an edge. <laughs> Man, literally, figuratively. Yeah. I. Uh, it, it's crazy. Um, I love Southern California. We actually went to San Diego last summer. We went from, we were at a Hallmark wedding in Pine, Colorado, and then drove over, you know, and I'm in Kansas City, so everything on the way there is eye candy. I mean, here in Kansas City, the <laughs> landlocked, you know, there's like nothing really to look at. So yeah. it's great when you get to yeah. that part of the world. So yeah, we're going to be in San Diego this weekend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a paradise down there. It is. Yeah, it's crazy. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's. It, I love your story. And before we get into it, you know, one of the things that really kind of Speaking of calamities that you've gone through in the last week, you know, going through COVID was quite a thing. How did yeah. you survive those three years and how did it change you now that we've come out of it? Hopefully come out of it. You know, there's things that are coming out now that there's another variant, but you know, let's just pretend like we're in post pandemic nirvana. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's just Want me to jump sure. in? Um, yeah, we had just moved to Santa Barbara. We were living in Bend, Oregon for the last 20 years and we just moved down here and had chosen to create a co-housing with a good friend. And so we um were really fortunate the three of us were living together in a, in um our friend's home and um we basically hunkered down and and supported each other during that time and um we used also used the time to write the book. <laughs> So it kind of that forced isolation and the cutoff of so much community we were used to being engaged in actually created almost uh, like a monastery <laughs> atmosphere in our, our, um, community. And so we were, we were able to create our intentional community in that time in a way that probably had we been in our busier lives, we wouldn't have done. I would just add to that. Um, I actually enjoyed it. I, I do understand the pain, uh, the suffering so many families, especially with the loss of loved ones. Um, but for me, uh, I enjoyed, uh, just kind of getting down to the basics, kind of getting down to the essentials. And I would also say we were busy during this time. We actually moved again once we came here and we had to go through, we got a new house. We went through six closings, if you can believe, but that's typical for Southern California because everybody's bidding on the house and you don't get it until you sign the final papers. And so it's a whole different animal down here mm-hmm. about that. So, uh, 
We were in seclusion, but in a weird way, we also were balancing our act to get out when we had to, to come back. Uh, I think one of the hangovers uh, for me is um, what it's done to community, uh, what it's done to our children. Uh, as a dean, as a retired dean of a university, I can see the negative impacts it's had on higher education but all of education. And I don't think we've quite unpacked what all this has meant in terms of our personal freedoms as well. And uh, so the adventure continues. It's a great question. Certainly does. We had a grandchild born the week before the shutdown. Wow. And we also watched Luca um, being raised in isolation with his two parents and dogs. (laughs) It, It really impacted his development and i mean he's fine now but the lack of socialization and the cutoff from grandparents and all of that that was really um really different conditions in which to raise children yeah and i don't know that like you said we're not going to understand this we're still in kind of a micro phase i think when the mic when that when the camera starts coming back further and further i think we're going to understand more and more um so talk to me about how you met. How did this begin? This all culminated with the book, obviously. It's been a long road. How did it all begin? Uh, we actually met uh, at Lewis and Clark College, and uh, both professors, and I I moved on into administration, became a dean and a provost. But um, um, we, we just saw a spark in each other about uh, ongoing life learning. Uh, we've traveled a lot, both of us, uh, in our careers, uh, our careers have taken us to the world and, uh, we've worked everywhere, uh, as academics and, uh, and it's just been an ongoing journey. I think with Carol, uh, as a partner, I, I, I really come to realize how big life is and how many choices we have. Uh, and as, we're in our aging years, obviously. Uh, I'm going to be 80 in September. And um, I see aging as a gift. It's the gift of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, having a, a partner who can go through it with you and uh, be part of the journey as she also is aging uh, uh, has really been exciting. And then the project itself has actually brought us closer together as we talk about in our book. What would you add? Yeah, I would say when we met, we recognized sort of a common soul spirit in each other. And we've had uh, our astrologer tell us that we both are, are seekers and we're always after find, looking for the oracle. <laughs> we're spiritual seekers and we share that. And adventurers, we love, you know, we share love of travel and language and history and art. And um, and we have, I would say this is the best of time for our relationship. Um, it, because we have the freedom to pursue our interests. We have, have more time together to process what we're learning. And there's, there's more loss and change. It, you know, aging is an apprenticeship to change and, yeah. and we are changing within ourselves. We are changing on so many levels in a way. Aging is like adolescence. Your body yeah. is morphing like you do, you know, really in, and with sometimes sudden dramatic changes. And so we're partners in that and support each other in that. And we're really, really grateful to have each other because time is limited. We don't, 
I don't know if I'll wake up tomorrow and Jay will still be by me. And that there's a sweet intensity that comes with that too. Yeah. I think it's just understanding the human condition that Mm -hmm. uh, there's tragedy built in to being a human. There's not only uh, good times, but there are also the times of sadness, times of uh, real loss and um, learning that, no matter how well you think you have prepared for retirement, whatever that means, uh, you still are going to face the human condition. And, um, and you can't hide in illusion. Mm-hmm. You think, Oh, I've got a good retirement or whatever. I don't have to be. My bubble isn't going to be impacted. I think back to your original question on COVID. I mean, if there wasn't a lesson and that for everybody, everybody was on that ship mm-hmm. and, uh, and what I fear is that there's more fear uh, afoot uh, and just under the surface. And I don't think that's good for a democracy. I don't think it's good for relationships. Uh, it's, again, back to interesting times. But it could be that these are the very times that we need to focus and to get to the core of who we are as people. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting you said Lewis and Clark. My elementary school when I was a kid was Lewis and Clark Elementary. Really? <laughs> well, you know, Lewis and Clark was the first funded uh, scientific expedition that this country, you know, Jefferson wow. wanted that. I, and okay. It's, it's a wonderful uh, metaphor for this country, I think. It was yeah. called the Corps of Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. We have a huge statue um, with the Indian leading the way, and it's right on top of a very central point between Missouri and Kansas, and you can see yes. everything. It's pretty cool. So That was, um, yeah. But, you know, I remember last year, my stepdaughter was having a disagreement with her boyfriend at the time, and they're pretty serious. And I was just telling him, you know, the the bottom line is this, and it goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier on. Half of the battle is finding the right person, and then you can hash it all out from there. You know, I mean, the problem that most a lot of people will face in this life is not finding that person or thinking they did, and then they have to restart. It's like, if you feel like you've found that person, that relationship, the way that you go through it, it takes away that fear. It takes away all of that. I mean, it's all work. It's it's definitely work. So I guess that's my next question. Is this book kind of emblematic of the work that you've went through? What has been kind of the mission? What was the birth of this? Uh, The answer is yes, yes, and uh, yes, and wow, yes. Or yeses. (laughs) really briefly jay had a dream one night about five years ago that we were to go on the road and to interview couples and i woke up and i heard it and that really became our roadmap for the following five years and um we believe that so much um spiritual work has been focused on the individual and couples work has been focused on the troubled couple and and but we wanted to create um some a body of work where uh the focus was enrichment of the life of the couple and you know we realize our generation wasn't really raised to invest in relationships and and i would say to your kids wonderful you found each other but don't assume you have the skills you need to make the most of your relationship be open to learning as a couple be bring in new resources you know and uh Help your relationship because in a way, in a funny way, relationships get lost after the marriage. There's all this 
you know, and I'm a minister, I've married many people, but when the fanfare is over, where's the support for the relationship? Part of what we're interested in is um, our book and our website and um, that we want people to form groups and start having conversations about the the issues that we cover in side by side. Yeah, we're all about couples uh, working on developing relational fitness mm-hmm. and that that's possible to do. And I, I especially talk to men about this because, uh, you know, there's all kinds of rumors afoot that men really aren't very good in relationships. And a lot of that's true. But also in that is that men really, we haven't been taught about relationships. Carol used about the word invest. In my family growing up, no one told me that I need to invest in my relationship. Everybody told me you need to invest in your career. And I got that message loud and clear. Uh, but that's that, but, but that wasn't enough. And so what I have found uh, in the last few years in working with uh, the men in these couples is that men want to be in relationship. Men do want to be loved and know how to, to love. Men are really fast studies when they realize that vulnerability actually makes them stronger. And so there's just, um, and, and, and don't get caught up in the patriarchal, political, ideological pop culture that's out there. Uh, look at it, internalize what you need to, but look at the larger picture. And what I'm finding out that when men do that, uh, they, they, they welcome the challenges that a marriage and, and the opportunities that a marriage can provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the danger of stereotypes is that a lot of people will just fall into it because that's just the way it's been. You know, right. if their parents did it, they're going to do it. So right. it's really about bucking the system. And I, I do, that actually does irritate me about the perception of men. I'm very gung ho. I have a special needs son. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. upfront. I'm almost kind of like the mom. I always have been. So when I hear all of this rancor of how men are lazy and stupid and, disconnected and shoving all their emotions down, which there's parts of that. I get that. I mean, men are definitely the type that suppress a lot of our emotions. We don't come out in in an emotive way, the way the female brain does, you know, but it doesn't mean that we aren't working on it and there aren't exceptions to the rule. I think that's the problem with generalizations is they're general. You know, that's just the way it is. And generally wrong. Right, generally wrong. It's like assuming. That's what happens when you assume. So, you know, that's that's the problem. But um, so I think that's the thing. The other thing that you said that I think is very important is that there is this perception that couples only work when there's trouble. It's not they work on it because they just have to work on it. But I think that's kind of the cornerstone of therapy. Everybody looks at therapy as we got to put the fire out because the train derailed and exploded. You know, it's like, it's not just we're doing it. And I do interview a lot of therapists and I'm like, when do you recognize there is trauma? When do you recognize there is a problem? And it almost seems as though what you're saying is it's not necessarily there's a problem. It's the fact that relationships take a lot of work. You know, I like the word enrichment, uh, you know, uh, just ongoing development. You know, I mentioned relational fitness. You know, what does that mean? And uh, listening skills is part of it. But honestly, uh, if it's just listening skills, that's not going to get you that all that far. It's helpful. Uh, we, pr- we talk about uh, a couple of things. Well, actually, we talk about a lot of things, but Two dynamics that we saw in the couples that we interviewed that uh, we just had to lift. One was the ability to welcome the stranger in each other. 
And to rather than, and just to see as part of growth, we're constantly learning and changing. And rather than see the other partner's growth as a threat, see it as something that, wow, this is pretty interesting. You know, you had this insight, you read this book, you have this friend and go in that direction. And the same thing comes back to you. And when we welcome the stranger in each other, that helps to keep a relationship vital. It helps to keep it creative. It helps to keep it anew again and again and again. Yeah, you're supporting each other on your growing edges. Another really, I'm just been writing about this, that surprised us that came up was um, in couples uh relationships that you the the one of the most important things you do is do your shadow work and in a in a one-on-one relationship no one knows you better than your partner hopefully if, <laughs> if they're paying attention and when you get triggered and you're coming out of your trauma you're coming out of your projections of the things in yourself you don't want to look at and you're projecting it onto your partner one of the skills you can learn is to catch those projections and in in a you know, some, it's not always easy because when you're on the receiving end of the judgment or projection, it's easy to get defensive and, and, and fall into the trap of, of arguing with their projection instead of mirroring it back to them, you know, and, uh, so that's a, another, it's a subtle skill, but it's really important. So when you were children, you know, we all have dreams. What was your dream of either being a professional or the relationship you envisioned? Well, for me, if you go really far back, I want to be a fireman. You know, I mean, honestly, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. red truck and everything else. Right. I, was always, I was always career focused and that was my family of origin. Go out there and conquer the world, uh, you know, get your education. Uh, it was more of that was the message that the world's a dangerous place. And if you don't take care of yourself and get the right skill set, uh, you're going to be, um, no one ever said this, but the implication was you're going to be a loser. And, um, my family was loving. I mean, uh, they were, you know, we had our issues, but I wish I had come from a family that had talked about the inner life more. It talked about the emotional and feeling aspects of life more. Uh, I think that would have helped me. And, um, I try to do that now with my grandchildren, you know, so. Yeah, what it's, would you say? Well, I love that question. So I was born in 1950, you know, and grew up next to Disneyland in L.A. Wow. And uh, I, grew, I grew up in Pasadena. And my fantasy was um, in my early years, and this is pre-women's movement, to marry a minister. Because from early age, I um, had this passion for spirituality. And it didn't occur to me to be the minister until later. Yeah. Uh and but my early fantasies and also to be a writer, which uh, because I, those are the two things I enjoyed doing. I loved books and writing and pencils and schooling and all that stuff. But it didn't occur to me I could be a professor or I could be the minister. Yeah. I turned out to be. Uh, I thought I should marry one. And that's that, interesting. A really different. See, we're in a different generation. Yeah. We're baby boomers and really a transitional generation than than you guys are. But that's yeah. what's great about the, uh, the the boomer generation too is that we're actually in liminal space. We're in that portal. We've got one foot in the old world, hopefully, and one foot in the new world, the one that's unfolding. So it's on the edge of the next paradigm, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's 
we take delight in watching our kids and their families and just seeing where they're taking it. You know, this is where we've gone now. Where, where are you going to take this? And, uh, it's, 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 it's uh, actually been very gratifying. I'm a Gen Xer. I just turned 50 last year. So I, I, I feel as though I'm kind of like, that movie where they were in black and white and they finally got in color. It's like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause we were on the cusp of, there's a lot of things we did when we were younger that should never have been documented like it is now. Like <laughs> just, sure. Sure. you know, sure. nothing, nothing too nefarious or weird, but just, you know, you're just living your life. And it's like, now it's the theater of, uh, you know, judgment. It's, it's a different kind of thing, but it's interesting. You mentioned Walt Disney. Walt Disney actually grew up in Marceline close to here he had his first right. art studio here in midtown uh oh. kansas city yeah so we i theoretically grew up next to that whole idea of walt disney and all of that so um what it, what do you like the best about marriage what do we like it, to me marriage is a sacrament it, meaning it's a sacred container that that holds us together in a commitment and it keeps our feet to the fire of um, living our lives together in ways that both of us can become the best, most developed human beings we can in this short span of life that we have. And that container of marriage and the sacrament of marriage and the commitment of marriage is a covenant. You're going to stay in this and and you're going to um, hold this space for yourself in the next generations. And it's just, it's a very meaningful um Otherwise, we could just live together, and you know, you know that could that, could that could be fun too. I mean, I, certainly our marriage has been an adventure, and uh, we haven't been bored with each other at all. And part of that is we run into troubles, you know. And uh, when we do, we always get help and unpack it, see what there is, and it always goes back to our family of origin, you know. <laughs> and then we figure that out, you know, and then we keep working on it, and. Uh, I like the mystery of it. I mean, if you were to ask if there was one word, uh, it'd be mystery, the mystery of relationship, uh, how it unfolds, the surprises that happen actually daily. Like, like just, just since we've been interviewing with you, this is the first time I've ever heard Carol said when she grew up, she wanted to marry a minister. She never has said that to me. Uh, so, you know, that's just like, that's fun. Yeah. I can work with that. Wow. That's the thing that's so good about doing these podcasts is that it just does unearth things that maybe you haven't thought about that right. aren't up front. You know, it's like the, those late night shows will grab couples and they'll say, hey, what's your favorite thing or what's this? And they don't have any idea. Thankfully, when I think about those questions, I think I got my wife pegged. But there's certain things that I just don't know. And she still says, I had no idea about that. And it's like, it, it, it's going to take time for you to understand. I can't unravel everything all at once. Sometimes we just, that's the beauty of being with somebody. You just, you let it kind of, you don't, unless you're really ambitious, you don't crunch right into the Tootsie Roll, uh, the sucker. You got to give it some time. You got to go to get to the center and the center takes time. So, right. you know, yeah, maybe, maybe a metaphor. So speaking of getting to the center of something, tell everyone out there why they should get side by side, sell it right now. Why should they pick up this book? And where can they get it? Um, well, let me start with the where. <clears throat> the book is called Side by Side, The Sacred Art of Couples um, Living in 
with wisdom and love. And um, it, our website is uh, sidebysideaging.com. That's sidebysideaging.com. We encourage everybody to go on our website. Yes. It, th- these are 13 teaching stories that are true. People, the couples allowed us to use their names. We spent six, uh, we, we interviewed and filmed for six hours for each couple. And it's distilled wisdom from people who've been together often a long time about relationships, about aging and spirituality. And at the back of the book, there's a reader's guide. So if you want to get a couple of couples together in your house, you can read the stories together and use the reader's guide and ask questions and have deep conversations. So the reason you should get it is we, we really think there's a lot of wisdom and, and it's fun. They're really interesting. And our website has uh, clips of each interview. So you can see the couples talking about the, the beatitude. We put a beatitude with each couple. So uh, the feedback we're getting is people are taking their time. They're reading the book aloud to each other and, um, are having conversations they hadn't had before about their relationship. Kind of like a podcast, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Revelatory for sure. What would you add? Jay? I would add that uh, these couples are uh, inspiring and it's, it's an upper and the potential of what marriage has always offered all of us. Uh, you can see it unfold and it didn't unfold uh, without pain. It didn't unfold without drama and lots of circumstances uh, but it did unfold and you see these stories and they're wonderful. And I would add uh, is what our publisher told us. There are really 14 couples. Yes, we did interview 13 couples. We went to their homes, interviewed them in their homes, but the 14th couple is, is us. And a lot of us is in there too. And, um, and we're very honest. We don't set ourselves apart as being anything special. It's actually, we were more humbled than anything else. Uh, I guess our, our main uh, concern was, would we be able to get these stories of, of these amazing couples out? And what would, and could we do that? Really give honor to them. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to the reader, you know, these are stories that will, that will challenge you. These are stories that will welcome you. And these are stories that we, that you can learn from. So who is your favorite couple besides yourself? Who's your favorite couple? In the book? No, just in general, in life. Who do you think oh. about as being the couple that you just love? It could be Romeo and Juliet. It could be I mean, like, who, who's your favorite couple? Well, for me, that's easy. It'd be uh, Jimmy Carter and his wife. Yeah. I just think they've lived a life of, of uh, confrontation, of ups and downs. Yep. Uh, they've left no <laughs> leave unturned. Uh, yep. And I think they are the best of friends and uh, love each other deeply. And uh, I've always held those two up. How about you? Well, mine's more personal. Um, the college I went to was Whitworth College, and my favorite couple was the president and his wife, who let me into their lives. And I they drove me once to Southern California from Spokane, Washington. Wow. And the whole way they were reading um, stories to each other that they were excited about or news articles or and they were a learning community. And that left a really deep impression on me. They were so generous to me, you know, and, and with me, just a student. That's the only way he knew me and I needed a ride. Yeah. Um, so that loving container in their relationship just so inspired me. Yeah, that's cool. 
Well, Carol, Carol and Jay, I, I, you're, you're an inspiration to others. Thank you for taking time out, opening up your world for a little while. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so too. much. Thanks so Great much. Great to meet you. Really nice Great talking. to meet you. Thank yeah. you. Send my best to Southern California. I love it out there. <laughs> okay, come back. Come see us. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get an in and out. I miss it so bad when I get back. I just okay. I love it there. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Have a great day. All righty. Bye-bye. Well. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music.